This week, trust was in the news with DC reporting dominated by congressional hearings featuring a former Facebook employee who claimed that the company didn't live up to its standards. Also in DC, a senior Justice Department official announced a new policy requiring federal contractors to report cyber incidents or face penalties under the False Claims Act. In global news, leaked documents, dubbed the Pandora Papers, purported to divulge offshore financial details of the world's elite. This too was a story about trust, but it also showed, once again, how hard it is to keep anything confidential online. In this edition of Commerce Code, Trust Online, Fraud Risk, and New Tools to Create Certainty in Digital Payments. Dan Carell here, and this is Commerce Code brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. Thanks for joining us for 15 minutes of insight into the evolving world of digital commerce. This episode is about trust, and it's a hot topic. I took a quick look back at what I'd read in the last week, and it includes the following article headlines. Robot versus Robot, PayPal, taps artificial intelligence in the battle against fraudsters, chargebacks, and passwords. After Coinbase hack, authentication expert says we should be moving to fast ID online. Security breaches underscore questions on open banking's data liability. Report. AI and transaction notifications help financial institutions stop payments fraud before customers get scammed and combating the bad guys through sophisticated digital identity verification. Just eyeballing the news cycle, about a quarter of the business news of late has had something to do with cybersecurity, ransomware, online fraud, deepfake technologies, and the general proliferation of methods used by criminals to target information and money. The total global cost of fraud and cybercrime is estimated to be as high as $6 trillion and could be rising at a pace to hit $11 trillion a year by 2025. For context, total global GDP is about $85 trillion, the U.S. is $21 trillion, and China isn't far behind at $15 trillion. With just about every new and exciting digital payments technology comes a new opportunity for criminals to think creatively about how to exploit it. Today on the show, we'll learn more about identity and fraud by speaking with Jaime Ramirez. He's in this fast-changing field every day. In our conversation today, I want to draw out some of the specifics that we need to keep our eyes on as the market continues to evolve, particularly fast changes in how we know who we're really dealing with. Hi, May. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are looking forward to this conversation. And uh, where are you joining us from? Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm from Preventor. We are uh, located in Miami, Florida. Great. I am looking forward to this conversation today, Jaime, and I'm going to just dive right in. The top four types of fraud are consumer fraud, cybercrime, asset misappropriation, and then bribery or corruption. In your view, what should retailers and commercial banks be doing to safeguard their clients? And what are the most important tools for a fintech company to use in terms of prevention of financial crimes? The main point that they will have to do, especially in today, is to identify the customer. And the only way to do it right now is to basically do a digital identity verification. Identify the customer with different tools like face recognition. They have to know the customer by asking a few questions through their app or through their platform and monitor their transactions to see if there is any risk from this customer. They really need to know what kind of transactions are they doing, what kind of products are they using, how frequently they're using it, they need to be on top of that. But a face recognition and voice recognition, I think that's the most useful right now for fintechs. 
Great. You know, the pandemic has affected everything. And that sounds like a cliche. What I've experienced is every time you ask the question of a specialist in an area, no matter how far removed you think it is from the pandemic, it turns out things have really changed. So did the pandemic change trends in fraud or fraud prevention technology? And then where does your firm preventer kind of sit in that? Have you experienced that? Well, definitely the pandemic, I will say, accelerated the, the digital transformation for businesses, especially in the financial services. Before pandemic, some of the financial institutions started using digital identity products. After the pandemic or during the pandemic, that will become a, a need, not only a wish. So to open an account, to onboard a new customer, right now, most of the financial services needs to have these tools in place. It's not only to mitigate fraud, but it's also to have more business. There's a lot of work involved in doing all of this. You know, we've just been talking about, you know, everything, facial recognition and all the different tools. And it's not easy. The financial services space, especially fintech, is very fast moving. My understanding is that the idea with Preventor, with your platform, is that it's meant to improve efficiency. So how does it do that? In Preventor, we provide a platform of services like digital identification, know your customer, know your business, transaction monitoring, but also we provide an open service platform. Institutions can easily integrate via an API standards, via front-end as a service, meaning they don't need to build an interfaces or integration like they used to do. It's very easy with a minimum coding to integrate their applications with Preventor. So speaking of open platforms, open banking is set to take the financial world by storm, I think. It's uh, not a secret that the financial services industry, at the same time, is the prime target for cybercrime. So what would you say is the role of cybersecurity frameworks for the future of open banking? Well, the open service platform for open banking is the future and is the present <laughs> at the same time because all of the banks, they need to work with open service platforms. The need for new applications or more services to be developed is the need that they are integrating with fintechs. So most of the fintechs are using open service platforms to integrate with the banks. All of the services in the open service platform are exposed to a risk. In terms of cybersecurity, they need to have a good frame of security in front of the open service platforms. So airlines and others in the travel industry are developing digital health passes, and that's to facilitate safe travel in the U.S. What does that mean for data privacy? In Europe, they are already working on this. They are already working with the GDPR. So in U.S., it's kind of difficult right now. They're looking to approve that by the government. But definitely the ability to have the digital certificate available is great for customers. It's great for the airlines. It's great for businesses. In terms of privacy, I will say it's kind of difficult because it's not only about the airlines. It's about the government that approves that. Well, and it puts the airlines in possession, I would think, and I, I'm not an expert on how the system is meant to work, but it seems like it puts the airlines in possession of some particularly sensitive information that they maybe aren't used to handling. Do you think that that creates risk for them? I don't think so. I think the airlines will use the information, will not storage the information. They will have the right just to verify that the customers are vaccinated, but they will not have the rights to storage or to do anything with that data. Right. That makes sense mm -hmm. then, I guess. But they would need to use it or perhaps we would be providing um, repeat um, verification, I guess, of, of vaccination every time we travel. Or perhaps there's another way of, of having it be used for validation that doesn't involve storage in the conventional sense. 
I think that that will be like an extra verification only, no? It will not be like a pass. They will need to know that you are vaccinated, but also they will require that you have your last test because you know that the means that you are vaccinated doesn't assure that you cannot have the virus. Absolutely. It's uh, it's interesting times. We're asking and answering questions that we wouldn't have imagined uh, before. So what do you think is going to be most different, say, two years from now in your field? Well, I think that we are the beginning of the digitalization. Like we talked before, the pandemic accelerated this digitalization of services, but I think that we are just at the beginning. The idea is that most of the services will be digitalized. Right now, most of the financial institutions and other industries are incorporating the digital identity for individuals. But what is coming to is the onboarding of entity customers, businesses, and the ability to complete the account opening for banks. Today, even though you can do the onboarding online, you can do part of the process remotely, you still need to go to the branch to sign some documents, to sign some legal or financial agreements. So that, I think that it will be digitalized and the complete cycle will be remotely. So I would say that in the next few years, most of the services will be remotely. So Jaime, I would just love to close by asking just some thoughts from you on the position that Preventor occupies in the industry and what you do for your clients. At Preventor, what we do, we provide an end-to-end platform for financial crime risk management, starting with the digital identity verification for customers that can be used as a remote onboarding of customers, ongoing authentications. We also provide a platform for e-know your customer, know your business, transaction monitoring, and fraud prevention. So we have a complete end-to-end platform that can help any size of financial institution. It could be a fintech, it could be a small, medium, large bank institution, or it could be any insurance or credit union. The reason that a preventor starts is because we would like to provide a state-of-the-art financial crime application on the cloud. Most of the financial institutions, they don't have the opportunity or they don't have the budget to afford a very nice application. So that's the reason that a preventor was funded. Look, Jaime, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation and we look forward to, uh, to staying in touch. No, thank you, Dan, for the opportunity and anytime. The Washington Post reported this week that one of America's most wanted fugitives, a convicted con artist named John Rufo, who carried off one of the biggest bank frauds in U.S. history, is now believed to have sat behind home plate at a Red Sox versus Dodgers game in August of 2016. Knowing where this guy was just over five years ago isn't what anyone would call being hot on his trail, but if it's true, then at least the FBI knows he's still alive, or that he was alive five years ago. Trust is about who we really are. And cases like John Rufo's are rare. Not many people manage to disappear under a different identity and continue to operate without being caught in our society. The Washington Post article came with a somewhat grainy video capture of what purports to be Rufo's face. And with the proliferation of security cameras and AI facial recognition in the world, perhaps Rufo won't elude the authorities much longer. Those technologies give some people pause, including me, 
because they're by their nature capturing everyone's faces all the time, but they also promise more security. As an aside, and a sort of TV recommendation, which, trust me, you are so unlikely to get from me normally, as I don't really watch much TV. But in the early pandemic, like absolutely everyone, it seems, my wife and I started binging a show. Unlike most folks, probably, we got into a Norwegian series called Lilyhammer. It's the story of a New York mafia guy played by Steve Van Zandt, who enters witness protection and makes the unlikely choice of Lilyhammer Norway to take up his new life. You can imagine what happens next, but like so many stories, the whole thing is about who we really are, with some pretty hilarious hijinks along the way, in Norwegian, with subtitles. I enjoyed today's conversation with Jaime because it let me focus on an issue that can feel distant or complicated. Fraud and cybercrime are often at the edge of our awareness as we're figuring out how to grow our businesses. It's a risk or it's a possibility that we have to also be aware of. Maybe someday technology will advance to the point where it's not such a big issue. But for now, we have to keep this front and center as we engage in digital transformation. I think the conversation today made that pretty clear. The question of identity is timeless. Who am I and who are you? If we want to succeed in digital commerce, we need to focus on how we know who we know in the new environment. To find out more about the latest trends in digital commerce and digital advertising, check out our website, www.digcomall.org. That's www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless. This is Dan Carell, signing off. <laughs>